Episode 3. We're giving you our best tips for making the most out of recess. Hey everyone, Kaylee and Lane here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pre-K Teacher Family. This is a podcast for all things Pre-K Teacher behavior management strategies, time-saving tips, advice from teachers, and high-quality resources. If you need it, we're talking about it. We'll be bringing you new episodes every Friday. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. In this episode, you're going to get easy ways to improve recess for you and your students. Let's not waste any more of your time, teachers. Buckle up. This is going to be fun. Hey, Lane. Hey, Kaylee. Are you ready for this? I think so. Okay, good. Let's do it. All right. Kaylee and I love surprising you guys. One way we're going to do that is by occasionally releasing episodes early. So when you're expecting them every Friday, bam, we might do an early release on Thursday night and send you a little podcast hug with a new episode popping up early. Or maybe we have plans to record more than one episode a week. And the only way you'll know what we have up our sleeve is by subscribing Once you've subscribed, our latest episodes will end up right in your queue. Yay! Go ahead, hit pause, and subscribe real quick so you don't forget. We'll be waiting right here for (laughs) you. Okay, Lane. So we're jumping right into it here, taking on recess in our third episode. This was a bold move on our part, but I don't think you'll be disappointed. We put a lot of thought into our tips and strategies for this episode. Listen, I hated recess at the beginning of my teaching career, and by the sounds of it, some of you do too. Oh, yeah. We use our Instagram accounts to ask you and other pre-K teachers what you think about different topics as a part of researching and preparing for each episode. So make sure you find us on Instagram and talk to us. We love hearing from you and we need to know what you guys think so we can make the episodes the best they can be for you. We're talking about recess today. We heard from you all that recess is when a lot of misbehavior spikes. Recess is too short or there's not enough coverage for supervision. We feel ya. We were teachers in Colorado, and it was usually cold. I would hope for snow days so I didn't have to go outside and freeze. Also, recess can be chaotic. Kids have been cooped up all day and are ready to burst. They are free. I felt like I was putting out fires the entire recess time. So this should tell us something. Kids need to be moving all throughout the day. And by the way, that's another episode that we'll be doing. And it also should tell us that all kids need recess. As tempting as it might be, it's almost never a good idea to take recess away as a punishment. When done right, recess can be a solution to many of your problems. Yes, Lane, that is so true. In this episode, we're going to talk about some solution for those naughty behaviors that can pop up on the playground and some easy ways you can get kids moving and playing together to make recess a great part of the day. So let's start, Lane. Why is recess important? Okay, so first of all, social skills. Recess provides a semi-unstructured allotted time for kids to work it out. This is where kids will start to learn how to stare, take turns, negotiate, role play, show empathy, and think about others. Yes, taking care of our friends. Recess is one of the best times to facilitate that friendship aspect, playing nicely, cheering for each other, building each other up. Yes, just like adults, kids need breaks, and sunlight promotes serotonin to be released. Yes, 
We need that break, or ideally breaks in the day for kids to go bananas. Because once we allow them that release, they are so much more focused and ready to learn. They have to get those wiggles out. Yes, get those wiggles out. (laughs) They absolutely need time to reset, time to get energy out, time to interact with friends, time to explore, time to experiment. Kids just need to be outside. Okay, sure. It all sounds great. But we know from experience, you get them out there and they turn into ninjas, tackling, pulling, pushing, kicking, fighting. How do we get them to play nicely? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, We've been there. So yay, we are about to share with you four things that turned our recess around. Four things that turned our recess around. Oh, heck yeah. Okay, let's hear it. (laughs) Okay, so number one, first and foremost, high expectations. A successful recess starts way before you hit the blacktop. There needs to be expectations for getting to the playground, how to act once you get there, and what it looks like when it's time to leave the playground. Oh, yeah. Lane, no one told us this part our first year, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we had a front row seat to the show of what happens Mm -hmm. when the routines and structures around recess are not set in stone. It wasn't until the next year that we learned what you have to do before the kids even get there to make it successful. Yeah. I mean, Kaylee, didn't we practice the day before kids even came? Yes. And this is not easy because the day before the kids get there, it is so tempting to spend every minute organizing and printing and cutting and preparing. But the important stuff is the routines. It's kind of crazy to think that we made our paras practice with us. Oh, yeah. We worked out all the kinks. We practiced what language we'd use. We thought about potential hiccups, and we worked them out. When we practiced, we would take turns being the kids, trying to anticipate things kids might do if the directions weren't clear, and how we could tweak what we would say to make sure the kids knew exactly what they were being asked to do. Yeah, it was long and boring. And yes, our pairs probably hated us that day. But... It freaking paid off. Not one adult or kid got confused on what he or she should be doing. Then the kids showed up and it was like the work was only halfway done. Those first few days, it was time to show the kids the routines that we had perfected. Ha ha ha. Which were far from perfect <laughs> which were far from perfect once you threw all the kids in there. But the more you practice, the better they get. Yes, yes. We practiced how kids should hold the door and how the line leader and caboose were responsible for opening and shutting the gate. It is so important to get the procedures in place before students are asked how to do it. When we say, hey, can you please hold the door? Kids need to know what that looks like. Yes, kids are capable of doing hard things if we show them how. Does it take a few minutes to let every child practice the correct procedure for holding the door? Yeah, more than a few minutes. It takes a while. But when each kid gets to practice the correct way to hold the door, we usually did it with their arms tucked behind them to protect their fingers, and they'd stand in the middle of the door, not at the far end, which usually pushes them because of the weight of the door. When they're in the middle, they have more leverage with their tiny bodies so they can actually hold the door. And then they plant their feet, and it's only one child, not three, Like the way it would happen if you just asked them to hold the door, they would all jump. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If you haven't practiced the procedure before, there will be three kids running to hold it, getting moved by the weight of the door, bodies flying. (laughs) And then (laughs) the other part of the door holder procedure was that after every child has walked through the doorway, the door holder stays at the end of the line and they become the caboose. 
this is a huge curveball. And if you don't practice, you might have some tears. But once kids know the door holder usually starts at the front of the line and always ends up at the end, they don't fret because we've talked about it with them. They know I just did an important job and now I have another important job. Yeah. You have to tell them the caboose is a very important job too. When I see the caboose, I know that our whole class is here and that tells me that I can keep going. Yes. And maybe it took a significant amount of time to practice this and let every child have a turn, but you can use that time to give them more practice walking in lines to get that part of the routine down even better too. Make it fun. And once you've put in that time to let them practice and make each of your students ready and prepared to be door holders, Every time you walk through a doorway in the coming school year, you're not going to waste a single minute. No kids are going to get hurt. No doors shutting on little kids because you're trying to hold it open as 16 little munchkins squeeze through and your fingers are slipping and there's more coming. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Let your students help with these jobs. They can handle it if you prepare them. Not to say kids didn't still act up now and again. They definitely did, and they will always need you to be there as the adult that's going to address them when they try to push the limits. They're always testing. Remember that. But you're there and ready to remind them we know how to walk in the hallway. We are great listeners. We have already practiced this, and we know what to do. Yes, don't threaten them. You don't want to practice again, do you? We'll keep practicing until you get it. I say this because I've done the threatening thing. Mm -hmm. And they don't care. They will practice as long as you'll threaten and follow through with it. <laughs> there will always be a few kids who bite on that empty threat and want to challenge you. And they will outlast you. Their will is stronger because you have 15 other kids to worry about. They're just thinking about themselves. So don't start those threats. Instead, make it fun. Let kids take turns giving stickers to their peers who are doing great. Stop and take high five breaks. And let everyone feel great about the practice session. Look how good we're doing. Wow, this is going to be so quick. We're all making great choices. Yeah, and for the most part, once the kids know their jobs, they will try hard to do their best because they want to get out to the playground. Okay, so make sure to have firm routines for all parts of getting to and from the playground. Think about exactly where the kids should stand. How do they know where they're supposed to be? One easy way to check if you're being clear enough with the expectations is to ask the kid to tell you them. Ask different kids to tell you and model for you, and they should all know exactly where and how and what it looks like. This is when you know you've practiced enough. And then maybe do it another time or two, just to be sure. We'll go into more expectations with materials in a minute. Okay, time for number two. Yay, what's number two? Yes, second thing that turned our recess around was adults being active. Yay. <laughs> yes. I know, although it might be easy to use recess for a time to take a seat, cut that laminated paper up, or scroll through your phone, it's actually a great time to get to know your kids and play with them. Yes, play. Remember last episode when we talked about making little connections throughout the day? Well, here's the perfect time. Some kids might struggle in the classroom, but get them on the playground, and they are superstars. Let them show off their soccer skills, their yes. climbing abilities, yes, or just how fast they can run. This will give them the chance to shine. And who doesn't want a time to shine? I love it. Yes, I love this. And like you said, it can be tempting to reach for your phone on the playground. We finally initiated a no phone policy because it was getting awkward reminding people to get off their phones. 
Recess time walks a fine line between amazing enjoyment for everyone and out of control danger zone. The difference maker there is supervision. All adults have to be on deck, paying attention and circling the playground. Call me crazy, but I don't think adults should be standing, talking to each other at recess. Say what? Yep. Yeah, I said it. Two adults start talking and their sense of awareness goes out the window. It just happens. Recess is not the place for you to catch up with your other colleagues or paras in the other classroom. You got to find another time to do that. I'm not saying we can't engage with each other. A little small hello, how are you doing is fine, but you shouldn't be sitting on a bench talking to the other teacher about what happened over the weekend. I love you and I'm sorry, but that's how I feel. Okay, Lane, take us back to something happy. What's number three? Yeah, yep. (laughs) Okay, number three is the importance of both structured play and unstructured play. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's go into some specifics here about fun ideas for both kinds of play. One big point we want to emphasize for recess stuff is that new and different is better than fancy and expensive. Constantly try to think, what can I do with this to make it new and different? How can you repurpose an item to be totally different by just switching something up? Yeah, you were so good at that with all of our (laughs) material. I was always amazed. So some, yeah, some kids crave and need unstructured play during recess. They love to run and run and run and they do great. While others benefit more from a little bit of structure. We learned when we provided some organized games and other free play activities outside, it went a lot smoother. One of my favorite things to do on the playground is to set out a bunch of instruments and encourage the kids to pick one up and follow me as we walk in circles, pretending to be in a parade. Kids want to make noise. Kids want to bang on things and yell. That's what this activity is all about. Let them do it. Lead them in the activity. And keep it interesting by finding new paths, balancing on things, marching, stomping. There are so many ways to make this fun on the playground. Water painting. Another great one uh, is paintbrushes and water. You can start this one by simply putting plain water and paintbrushes out. This is a great one because it's okay for the kids to paint almost on anything. We would always make sure to tell them to stay off the equipment because kids are climbing and we don't want to get it slippery. Yes. So then chalk is fun. Chalk is easy and it can be cheap if you find it on sale. And you can also ask families to donate chalk throughout the year. You can encourage kids to lay down and trace the outlines of their bodies. And once you do this a few times, they will start to trace each other. They can color on cement, on sticks, on playground equipment, brick walls. You can hang chalkboards on fences. We hung some huge circle chalkboards with zip ties on our fence and the kids love that. Ooh, that is cool. Um, Yeah, normal chalk is tons of fun, but after a few weeks, when that gets boring, it's time to think about how can we make this new and different. One way to do that is to add water to it. If you've never tried this, it makes a cool, thicker substance. Caution about a few things here. Once you show the kids how to dip the chalk into water and paint with it, you'll just have to accept the fact that they are going to want to mix water and chalk in the future. So if you set out the water and paintbrushes and kids start mixing the water and chalk again, you can't freak out. You taught them to do that. They learned something new. If it's something that you really need to stop, let them all know we are not dipping the chalk in the water anymore. For now, we're going to use dry chalk, but we will be sure to let you know when we start doing that again. And a few weeks later, new and different can be mixing the water with the chalk again. 
Wait a second. I forgot some of you might not know what a full playground announcement is. Do you think I'm crazy for imagining a full meeting teaching moment on the playground? You think I'm crazy? Well, I think you're crazy. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But there are some messages that all the kids need to hear. You have to find time to set up a learning, listening and focusing moment out there before you let them go nuts. At my old school, I created a huge 12 foot tall visual support for my students. It had huge pictures of different parts of the playground and it had all the rules. We'll talk more about the rules later, but I would sit the entire class down on the first days, yes, more than one day of recess for about five minutes. We'd first read over the poster and I would have the kids point to the areas on the playground that I was talking about. And then we would go over the rules And then I'd have the whole group follow me around to each place that we were talking about in the rules. And they would tell me the rules again. It takes about 10 minutes or so, the first few days of recess. But then the kids know the rules. You know how I know that they know them? Because they can tell me the rules. I point to a picture or a rule and they should be able to tell me what it is. When you get to that point and the kids can tell you the rules, you're at a point that opens up new possibilities, and you would be surprised. You might think that there are a lot of procedures that you've done over and over. Surely all the kids can tell you what's expected, but that's just not always the case. Try it. Cold call on some kids about what you should do next time you're modeling a routine that you think they all know pretty well. If they can tell you, pat yourself on the back. And if they can't, it's okay. Pat yourself on the back too. You're becoming a better teacher by realizing that the teachers that you see at those assemblies whose kids sit so nicely, that teacher doesn't just have all the good kids. That teacher spent five times longer on the routines and practicing the expectations. Don't hate on her, appreciate her, and then work towards helping your kids get a little better, and then everybody wins. Everybody wins. We are here to build each other up, cheer each other on. We all have things to improve on, and we're all getting better every day. Now, the next one on the list, I'm pretty sure started in Ohio, but I'm also pretty sure a lot of people say it started in their states. (laughs) Lane, what is it? Cornhole. (laughs) (laughs) Cornhole. (laughs) Cornhole. No, don't really haul your cornhole set from home. All you need is two buckets and a beanbag. We usually would set up two sets of this game. It was really popular with the kids. Races are another one. Races are easy and don't require any additional supplies. Here are some fun ways that I used to do races. I would gather all the kids into one corner of the playground, and I would have them all stand there while I went and jogged the path that they were going to be running. It would be a very simple, clear pathway, usually along the fence line and the grass. It's good to have something... They have to touch before they come back, like go all the way down to the fence and touch it and then come back. So they actually go all the way down and back. Then I would tell them to get into a line. Sometimes there were like 30 kids and it's okay because this still works. They get into a blob-like line, which is fine. And I'd stand at the front and I would tap each kid on the head and say, go. And then (laughs) about three seconds later, I would tap the next kid and say, go. (laughs) And that continued. And then... As they came back, they'd give me a high five, and I would tell them how many points they got. I would just yell out a random number. 50 points, 100 points, 200 points, 30 points. (laughs) And then they'd get back in line. So I'd be standing in the middle of the kids, and the kids on my left, I would be sending off to run, and the kids that would be returning would come to my right side for their high five. It worked really well. Oh. And the entire time they're standing in line, which isn't long. It moves quick. They have a very important job. 
they're cheering for the kids who are running. I teach them what cheering looks like. I show them they can clap, yell. Here are some good things you can yell. You can do it. Go, Lane, go. I encourage them to high five each other when they get back too. I love that. Yeah. Cheering for everyone. So Mm -hmm. if you have younger kids, when I used to work with toddlers, I would have them do something similar. I would have them get into a group with me and their playground would obviously be much smaller and the little track they would do it on would be much smaller, but I'd have them do a lap around the playset. They'd go one at a time, maybe two, and we would all cheer for them. It was the same kind of a game on a much smaller scale in every way. <laughs> Another idea is a radio or a Bluetooth speaker outside for dance parties. I'm always changing up what I incentivize my kids with for when they fill their sticker charts. In our next episode, I'll be telling you all about our sticker chart behavior management system that I use. But I went a few months motivating them for a dance party when they filled their sticker charts, and I would get to take five or ten kids that picked that reward outside to dance and play, and we would jam to music. They loved it. Aww. This is a good time to mention that recess on the playground is one thing, but you can get kids outside to do lots of things. We had a garden at our school, so we would take snacks outside and eat in the garden especially if it's a messy, messy snack like muffins or something that would get crumbs everywhere in our classroom. We would just walk outside and eat it. And then when they're done or if they don't want to eat any snack, they can play for five or 10 minutes to get in some movement rather than eating snack in the classroom where they wouldn't have the chance to move when they're done. Yeah, that's important. Another good one is drawing a bullseye on a brick wall with chalk and then letting kids throw beanbags or paper snowballs. It's smart to avoid regular balls or something that might hurt a kid if it hits them in the head. You could even draw a long rectangular box on the wall, like 10 to 20 feet wide, and then draw a line on the ground and teach the kids to stand at the line and throw at the box. You could draw a diagonal line on the ground so some kids could be closer to the wall to throw and some can go to the other far end, which would be farther from the wall. Does that make sense? I hope so. But throwing is an important skill for kids. There are lots of those squishy balls you can get that wouldn't be a problem for them to run and throw and chase and play freely with. Of course, you'll have to make sure they know the key terms, like, can I use that when you're done? Or some other good sharing terms. But this can all be a positive sharing team building experience. Ooh, and another good one was magical potions. We do this at home, and the kids at school loved it too. At home, we used mason jars. You probably don't want to use those at school. Maybe a plastic Any kind jar. of bucket or... Yeah, anything. Clear and, tub or whatever. And then they go around, and they find sticks, rocks leaves whatever and they put it in there and they make a magical potion and then I ask them what is your magic potion like what does it make you do does it make you fly does it make you invisible I love that my kids will go on and on and on telling me about what their potion does my daughter can like do this for two hours if I let her she has all types of magical powers now so it's a good one cool um there's also streamers that you can get You can get them on Amazon for like $15 for a pack of 20 long, beautiful, multicolored streamers. I'll put a link in the show notes for the packs that I ordered and I loved. These are essentially just long kite-like dancing and frolicking accessories. And you could totally DIY them by tying long strips of fabric to sticks (laughs) or poles. (laughs) But however, I found the ones that I bought to be so pretty and well-made and affordable, it was an easy purchase. And like all materials... I would only bust them out on certain days. Another simple strategy to keeping materials exciting. Remember, new and different is the best kind of recess toy. Yep. Uh, And dramatic play clothes, tons of dress up stuff. 
you know, all different kinds. You can ask families to donate old Halloween stuff or play clothes, any kinds of fun props that encourage imaginative play. We would have random Halloween accessories, fluffy hats, stop signs, and construction worker accessories, dresses and hats and scarves, props, clothes to pretend to be different occupations, so many random things. We had a bunch of animal costumes that were donated to us that we just added to our playground dress-up collection. It's great. And we had a Nana, um, an amazing um, retired kindergarten teacher that was the grandma to one of my students, made us tails out of felt. Oh, that's and awesome. And they were just Velcro, like skunk tail, fox tail, yep. raccoon tail, squirrel tail, all different kinds of tails. And the kids would just Velcro them on and they would just play forever with those tails. Oh, and they can like do races with those. Like put your tail on and run like an elephant. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's, that's a great a idea. One. Yeah, this is a great one. <laughs> better here. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that kind of leads into also um, capes are so much fun. I actually DIY'd about 20 capes for recess. We're talking like hot glue and Velcro, not sewing. And they, <laughs> but they became one of the most requested play materials. And it was one of those things that could have gone bad with the kids acting like superheroes being inclined to fight. But we said, uh-uh, we can handle this. We can use capes the right way. We decided <laughs> to make it a teachable moment and emphasize good behavior with the capes and superhero friends. I will post some photos in the show notes of the super simple capes that I made. But really any kind of cool fabric that you can find will make the kids super into this. I actually think I got the idea when I saw Batman fabric at Walmart and then I just took it to a whole new level <laughs> and made tons of them. Keep your eyes out for fabric sales. You can get it really cheap if you find good sales. Yeah, and I think I saw capes at the dollar spot at Target. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Get them while you can. Get them. Get them while they're hot. <laughs> right. Get them while they're hot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my last and all-time favorite this is, is a good one. Bubbles. Okay, yes. not, not bubbles for the kids. I purchased one big jug. I think it was from Walmart. And... Um, it has a huge wand in it so that I didn't have to blow the bubbles. God, mm -hmm. I used to get so lightheaded. But this <laughs> wand, this wand just allows you to dip it and then I wave my arm. And it's really windy in Colorado. So, I mean, most days the wind would just take it anyway. But I kind of wave my arm and the bubbles would be flying everywhere. And um, some kids would chase the bubbles the entire time we were outside, almost an hour. We could count oh the God. bubbles. We could sing while you're chasing bubbles. Bubbles are my jam. Yes, bubbles, bubbles. And once I became a mom, I just went ahead and invested in a bubble machine for $15. Yeah, heck it yeah. Was a game, it was a game changer. So I've done them too. I've gotten like $10 ones from Walmart that end mm -hmm. up being the best. We also yes. got one of those really expensive like $40 ones. But mm -hmm. the bubble, it would use so much bubbles every time. And oh, they were yeah. so expensive. It just became like, oh, we can't even afford to do this. But the yeah, little yeah. ones that are just like a station. The little ones. That's what. That's a good one. And you kind of teach the kids not to touch it. Oh, yeah. You got to like draw a chalk line around it. That's and good. And they can't circle. go into that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Or you can just yep. hold it. Another thing is like something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hold it. Yeah. But I have not mastered the whole letting the kids do the bubbles yet because they're so expensive. I just cannot handle the, the containers. Spilling. Yeah. They're too tempted to. It's just like, it's like when they're out, when they're out with the water and the paintbrush. Those just, it just tips over and it's, it's in five seconds. 
happens. Yeah. And you want it to be able yeah. to say, you know, not a big deal that happens, but when it's Gosh, bubbles, darn I'm, it, like, I'm not like, a big deal. No, the bubbles, <laughs> the bubbles not again. So I just, I just took that as my thing. I controlled the waving of it and it was just endless fun. And a side note, I was just searching for the Amazon link for those bubbles so I could put it in the show notes. And it took me 20 minutes to finally find the right one. And I panicked because I love that one so much. So I ordered another bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Lane, I gave my other one to Jenny and Hannah. We had some fun with the bubbles and I just thought, I don't have any kids right now. They will have more fun with this. Oh, yes. I'm sure they do. Yeah. So, but that was the one bottle that I had been refilling for like two years. The bubbles that come in the bubble are, or the bubbles that come in the bottle are scented, which is a really fancy surprise. But once those are gone, you just refill that magic bottle with the cheap bulk bubbles that you can buy. And it's so awesome because the wand is part of the lid. So you just lift it up and wave it around and tons of beautiful bubbles will go flying. Um, yeah. That's clutch. Not yeah, losing the wand. Yes. yes. And not getting it all over yes. your hands. To yes. Out. Don't fish it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate that. So I posted a link in the show notes for the right bubbles because I would hate if you were out there with some mediocre bubble wand trying to wave them, thinking to yourself, this sucks. Kaylee, this is kind of, <laughs> Kaylee, this is kind of beep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, you got to get the magic bubble wand. I ordered one and I don't even teach anymore. I just didn't want the possibility or I just didn't want to possibly miss out on this amazingly crafted contraption. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> they do sell it at Walmarts, but I looked into it and it's only seasonal. So towards the summer um, is when they'll have them there. But if you want them out of season, you have to order them on Amazon. I'll post a picture of the, what the bubbles look like on Instagram too. You might get lucky and snag a bottle at Walmart. If you see them there, you need to buy at least two of them because they are so I'm going. I'm so going. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to look. <laughs> I need these. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's number four. Okay. All right. Number four, kick those old school rules to the curb if they're not serving you. Here's a thought on the recess rules. What is the reason behind them? When you teach the kids the rules, you have to tell them why. Why do you have that rule? And that is so huge because if you have a rule and there's not a solid reason behind it, rethink that rule. Yes. Okay. So I was recently volunteering in a preschool classroom and I just happened to get the recess duty, which was fine, I guess. But, you know, I was watching, they had all these great practices in place. But one thing that really puzzled me was so much time and energy was going into getting kids not to climb up the slide. One para was designated to watch the slide and sit kids out that climbed up. Gone. Yes, it was such oh, a waste. Tell me no. Say yes, it, it was such a waste of good para and coverage. I mean, so many kids that needed to get out energy were being put in timeout. When because Katie they were climbing up the slide? Oh, no. Yes, yes. And the whole para, like she could have been playing with kids or doing, I don't know, it was just a oh, waste. Yeah. Yep. So like when we first started teaching, uh, we ran into the same problem and we were enforcing this old school rule of not going up the slide and didn't really give it a second thought until we noticed so many kids were getting in trouble for it. So we thought, hey, what happens if we let kids go up the slide? Maybe we can make a designated time or slide just for climbing up. And we did it. And we were lucky enough to have two slides on our playground, one slide for climbing up and one slide for going down. 
I mean, I know not everyone is lucky enough to have two slides, but you can definitely designate a special time for climbing up. Definitely. Like a certain day of the week can be climbing up the slide day. And also yes. going down the slide on their tummies is another problem. I found oh, that's another thing adults on the playground would just constantly say, quit going down your stomach, quit going down your stomach. So then um, I heard another teacher at my school using um, like Tuesdays or Thursdays were like tummies, tummy time slide day. So oh. that was the day that the kids could go down on their belly and they loved it and that worked and they knew, is it tummy day? No, then we're not going down on our, on our bellies today. That's awesome. Yeah. So take a look at your recess time. What's not working for you? How could you change it? Do the existing rules suit your class? Can you change them while still keeping everyone safe? If kids, oh yeah, this was another one. If kids can't run in the cement, where can they run? Is there one rule you find everyone repeating every day over and over? You got to touch on that one again. We have kids that kept running in the same spot and we just kept reminding them of the same thing. Everyone had to keep saying, don't run, don't run on the pavement, don't run on the pavement. So finally, I was like, okay, we've got to have a meeting, get everybody over there, <laughs> sit them all down. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, sit them all down. It'll be quick. But we had to sit them all down and show them we don't run on the grass. And I had to tell them why. We don't run on the grass because, or no. We don't. I was like, wait, they can't no. run on the grass no. either? <laughs> <laughs> wow. No. So Y'all are strict. I had to sit everyone down and show them. We run on the grass, not on the pavement. Why? Remember to tell them why. Because kids get hurt really bad when they fall on the cement part. Okay, so now let's practice. I mean, I had to take it a step further because they were so used to just running and like they weren't going to just stop when they got to the pavement. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of further sink this one in for them. So I would <laughs> literally get every kid up and I'd have them follow me as I would run on the grass and then as soon as I would get to the pavement, I would make that like slamming on your brakes sound like, <laughs> and, then, and then I would say, oh, now we walk. So then we would walk all the way on that pavement part, kind of like strolling and just oh, funny nice. walking. And they did it with you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody. Oh yeah. So oh, then as soon good. as we would hit the grass again, we're like, run. And we would all <laughs> run all the way through the grass part. And then we'd get to that pavement. As soon as we're coming up on it, I go, Rah! and they would all start making that noise too. Rah! I was about to say, did they do that for every day for the rest of the year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Stop, stop, stop. Okay. Now yep. so things like that can help save so much time rather than reminding kids over and over of the same thing. Is taking away recess a good idea? No. The kids no, who are no, misbehaving. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. The kids who are misbehaving are the ones who need to run the most. You should never take away recess from kids. And what should you do if kids are being super aggressive on the playground? Parents having trouble keeping control of kids, what do you do? First, put a system in place on the playground. We've used scripts for redirecting kids and had the adults practice because it's so important to be consistent out there. Yes, let me expand on that a little bit because I had to take the lead on that and write up a script because every adult on the playground was doing different things. When they saw kids misbehaving or breaking one of the rules, they were having different things happen as a consequence and that yes. was just a mess. So I finally did a little script that was just, Hey, go sit down for a second. And as soon as the kid sits down, you go over and talk to them and you say, what, why did you have to come sit down? And then they say, I was uh, running on the pavement. And you say, yes. Okay. When you go back and play now, what are you going to do differently? And they say, I'm going to 
walk on the pavement or I'm going to run on the grass. And then you fist bump or somehow, you know, high five or connect with them again. It was super simple, but it needed to be the same. And like the first few days of implementing that, they, as soon as the kid was breaking a rule, you would say, go sit down. And then, you know, they're all like, no, what? No. Yep. Yeah. But once we got over that hump of like, it's not a big deal. The faster you sit down, the faster you're going to go play. It's not yep. a timeout. It's not a, you're going to miss out on recess. It's like, as soon as you go over there, I'm going to come talk to you and you're going to go play right away again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we just have to get that rule straightened out. It was simple, but it worked. Okay. okay. So, okay. One last thing I want to tell you is that, um, remember this lane? We had our classrooms were at the end of the hallway. I remember mm-hmm. there was some days, like some schools will, um, help their teachers, you know, get different inside movement time. Like you can use the gym right. time. Gym. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't help you out with that. So, uh, we had that end of the hallway and right. I would have like three or four kids come over to the door with me like before nap time or four or five kids at a time. And I would just have them run to the end of the hallway and come back and tag my hand like 10 times. We yes. would just do these little races, yes. like just any kind of movement like that will change oh, yeah. a whole afternoon. Yeah. So, I was doing a, yeah, go ahead. Bear, bear. What do they call bear walking up and down oh, yeah. the hallway? Yeah, crab, crab yes. walking. Yes. Crab walking. And uh, what is it when you hold their feet and their hands are on the ground? Yeah, wheelbarrow. Yeah, yeah, wheelbarrow. That's what they love that on yeah. the down the hallway. And you just yeah. kind of encourage them to do little relays and and just yes. try to get their energy out because if you can't get any sort of space, you got to just do something. You got to figure something. You got to do it. Find yeah. a hallway. <laughs> okay. And bug your principal. Hopefully, yeah. Will That's help another you thing. Find some PE time. Yeah. Uh, even you can. You might have to go straight to the gym teacher and say, hey, when we've had I inside come? days for two weeks. When is there a 20-minute block where I can just bring my kids in here and r- let them run? You know, even if you're just going right. to do freeze dance where you just press play. Yes. And then when I when I press pause, everyone freezes. And then we mm-hmm. run the other way. You know, whatever it is. Something super they simple. They loved it. All moving. Yes. Because it can be very chaotic if you're just taking them to the gym and saying, go crazy. Yeah. No, no. You got to have some sort of whole group movement game. Yes. Or or races again. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by the Pre-K Teacher Family. It's a support group we've created for you. Yes, you. And we want you to join ASAP. So we're running a sale just for our podcast listeners. If you visit our website, triedandtrueteacher.com and sign up for our monthly or yearly subscription, all you have to do is enter the word podcast, that's our promo code, and you'll get 30% off. 30% off. Don't wait, people. This is exciting news. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't expect you to take it from us. We want you to hear it from the family. This week, we are bringing you Ashley's testimonial. What I want everyone to know about the pre-K teacher family is how great it is. Everyone is kind and friendly. There's nothing negative, and everyone helps you out with any questions you may have about your classroom. Kaylee is fantastic. She actually talks to you and answers all of your questions. All of the resources have been amazing, easy to use, and the kids have loved them. Ashley, thank you so much. I love talking to all the family members. Hearing from you all seriously makes my day. My husband's always asking what's going on with the fam, and I love showing him all the success stories. 
I especially love hearing that the kids are loving the resources. That is the best. We love hearing it. Thank you for helping us share our positive message of the pre-K teacher family. We hope this will encourage other teachers to give us a shot. You can click on the link in the show notes to learn more and don't hesitate to reach out to Lane and I. We love answering questions and getting to know you guys. Okay, so let's recap. Yeah, okay. So number one, recess can be your saving grace and will help you make those connections to students who need it. Number two, new and different is better than expensive and fancy. Find creative ways to repurpose materials in new ways to get the kids excited from week to week. Number three, don't be afraid to kick old rules to the curb. If you find yourself repeating the same rule over and over, day after day, think about the reasoning behind the rule. And if you can adjust the rule or teach it in a more creative way to get it to sink in. And make sure you tune in next week when we give you an inside look at the behavior system we used in our classroom. If your systems aren't serving you and maintaining the behaviors in your classroom, we are going to let you try ours. And finally, one of the best ways to help us get our message to more teachers is to share and subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone right now, you can take a screenshot and tag us in your story. We love finding our people. Yes. Or maybe we have plans to record more than one episode. <laughs> Wait, you're frozen on my screen too. You're all like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Or maybe, what? What? What happened to the whoop? There it is. I was like, no, it's not gonna come out. Right. <laughs> I was like, it's not gonna come out right. I was just like, nope, whoop. There it is. <laughs>